Hi everyone, welcome to Type Talks. Today we have two female ENTPs. And so Melissa, would you like to tell us a bit about you? Yes, so hi everyone, um, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm an ENTP, I kind of deep dived into MBTI content just in the past few years. It has completely ruled my world ever since. Um, I do produce ENTP content on YouTube and Melissa Talks is my channel name. So if you are interested in that, check me out. And I'm very excited because Amanda's going to be my very first ENTP, that female ENTP specifically, that I'm going to be talking to live. So I've been looking forward to this chat. So thanks, Joyce, for putting it together. Yeah, this is going to be fun times. The brainstorming will be never ending. Mm -hmm. And so Melissa and I are actually writing a book together. So look forward to that. It's going to be one, one heck of a collaboration. <laughs> and Amanda, would you like to tell us a bit about you? Yes. I'm Amanda, um, ENTP, of course. Um, I, um, I've been into personality type um, MBTI uh, nine years ish, but really deep dove the last four to five. Um, and I love it. It's now like filtered everything. I like it's just become a framework that I filter everything through. Um, and I'm, I'm afraid that sometimes I, uh, overwhelm my friends because I don't stop talking about it. Uh, let's see. I'm a speech pathologist. I have two kids. I work full time and I have chickens. That's all I can think of. <laughs> I love how you weave in chickens. I'm like, yeah, that's nice to know. And I have chickens. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. Casual farmer, I see. <laughs> so you get fresh eggs, yeah? Fresh eggs, yeah? Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Maybe that's on my list one day. I just gonna need a lot of land first. How much land do you need for chickens? Not much. No, they're in my backyard. I don't have land. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. And they're, they're relatively easy. Like, I mean, yeah, I just have researched different methods of, of doing their uh, bedding and then their feed. Yeah. It's been showing up on my TikTok, like chicken, like stuff lately. And so I'm like, is this a sign? Is this a sign? Do I need to I be- I think it's a sign. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally a sign. And I just talked about chicken. So it's like, oh, is it a pattern? It is. We're noticing it. We're picking it up. <laughs> the Annie is like, yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And Hi, my name is Joyce and I'm a certified MBTI master practitioner and we're here to discuss ENTP themes. And so it seems like chickens, <laughs> the synch synchronicity of noticing the patterns. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That brings us to the topic of extroverted intuition and how it can bring these new novel ideas or novel utterances or novel in general. <laughs> Yeah. And so what is everyone's experience of that here? Where would you like to take the NE train? I love find finding a word for it. Cause like I knew my brain was like, bing, 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 bing. And I just, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And that was my way of breathing. But like, I could, I could tell that it, like it would throw people off. Like it wasn't everybody's way of being. Um, and so like finding a word for it and then finding like the explanation of, of extroverted intuition. I was like, Oh yes. Yes. That is what my brain does. And I love it. 
um, I, I don't know. I think it's exhilarating. Yeah, very much so. I agree. It can be a little overwhelming at times. And that's actually something I never, you know, because I've only been deep diving into it for like the last few years and any worry never really like dawned on me. Cause I always like, you know, I always explain, oh, we overthink, we're scatterbrained. We're always just connecting all of the dots. We tend with like in conversations, we, we tangent, we ramble. We don't really make a lot of sense, but then at the very end of the conversation, it clicks and you're confused on like how it made sense in a way. And then, but now I'm realizing it can, you know, I love it because it creates all of these opportunities, yeah. but at the same time, I'm now realizing I mean, I guess I've always known I've had a little bit of anxiety and I guess I can like attribute that to being any Dom now knowing MBTI because I'm always thinking about every possibility, good and bad. And I guess now I'm more conscious of the any worry. Normally, I I love it, right? Like normally, anytime I think of like extroverted intuition, I'm very grateful that I have these up, like my brain creates these opportunities and my thought processes. But at the same time, I'm just now realizing I've caused a lot of my own problems and I can technically blame any um, for over worrying and over complicating situations and over stalling my progression in life. Cause I think about all of the negative possibilities. So it's a good and a bad thing. You know, any, anything that rules you, whatever your DOM function is, it's a good and a bad thing. So I don't know. Did I explain it well? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Um, I was going to ask you how that, um, that any worry anxiety plays out for you. Cause I, I mean, prior recent, um, I didn't, I didn't really ha have what I would recognize as anxiety, but that overwhelming of like seeing all the possibilities, like for a while it's fun. And then until it piles up and then I'm like, <gasps> I need to do something with all these possibilities. Cause I'll let them just pile up. Cause it's fun to know you have possibilities. And then there's like this pressure of like, Oh shoot, I need to do something with this. Um, but how does that anxiety look for you? I'm still learning myself, like how to actually deal with that because I wasn't aware of how I, I guess it's more of like, I'm just more conscious of, okay, when I'm thinking, when I'm planning or just, you know, brainstorming, thinking above, thinking of ideas, I guess I would dwell on the bad ones and not really like acknowledge just as many good ones that I was generating in my mind as the bad ones. And, you know, it's like the typical thing of like, you notice the bad reviews, you scroll over the good reviews when you're like going, reading product reviews in general kind of stuff. So you, you focus on the bad. I think that's like a normal human, cause it's like a, you know, survival technique of like really being aware of the bad and yeah. not necessarily acknowledging all of the good. I'm not necessarily sure on how to actually, like it's more of like how I deal with it is just making sure I'm conscious of like, if I, all of these negative or bad possibilities are overwhelming my brain, I kind of just tell myself like, okay, my brain's doing what it needs to do. It's generating all of the, like it's bringing awareness to possible threats that I need to be aware of. 
But at the same time, like I rationalized with myself and just go back default to TI and being like, is this really, does this really make sense to like waste all my time worrying about all of these possibilities where if I don't take the next step, it's not even going to happen. Like it's not even a possibility. So I have to continue to move forward. I don't know. It's like I rationalized myself out of worry, even though it's, but I'm like conscious of it. So there's the big five metric of neuroticism and what neuroticism is, is negative emotionality and how prone people are to turbulent emotions. And so some, some people score more on very neurotic and some people score on not neurotic and it shows in how you brainstorm. (laughs) Maybe the less neurotic NE users are more positive possibilities. And then the neurotic ones are both positive and negative, negative in a mix and a storm of it. (laughs) I I was going to say like, And I don't know the exact overlap. I think there is a little bit. Um, I don't think it's a one-on-one correlation. I think it's more of an overlapper, like a messy mix. But um, my my Enneagrams is seven. So I'm much more like, oh, you could do this. And oh, here's this possibility. And oh, here's this possibility. And it's not to like, I'm already stressed. Then I go into like, and all the bad things that could happen. And you probably have a brain tumor. Like, you know, like I don't usually go into that until I'm already stressed. Um, that tends to be like my personal pattern though. And, but I don't know if that's because of my Enneagram also is, is more like that optimistic. Um, it's uh, one-to-one. Um, seven one-to-one so it's more of that like fantastical kind of idealization um so I don't I don't know if that plays a part yeah I'm not sure honestly it's more of um it I honestly just kind of noticed it probably in the last couple months is like I've always when every time I would always talk about any I always talked about it very positively just like anyone should their dom function because it rules your world that's in a way slight it's like a it's your identity in a way to a slight to a a certain extent you know what I mean so you want to talk like positive about yourself but at the same time like you know good and bad everything's balanced all of that stuff so I don't know any can run rampant it's like a blessing and a curse because I don't know it's just but it's just conscious awareness of don't let it control your mind. And I think for me, that's been the biggest struggle because I can get, I mean, my mind is out of control sometimes where I just like have to like stop like thinking up new ideas and just like pick one and just go forward or else I will drive oh, myself yeah. a little bit yeah. insane, I think. Yeah. No, I can hardcore relate to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, this afternoon, I was like, I need to organize my brain because I'm just like, I'm feeling like there's all these things bouncing around and it's starting to overwhelm me. And so like, I couldn't do a bullet point. So then I did a, a brain with like all these like diagonal things coming off of it to, in order to organize my brain. So I'm like, oh, okay. Things I want to learn about things I'm concerned about things that my, my goals and just, yeah, that was part of it because I was getting like just too much. And so I'm like, I need to organize this. I'm curious though. So, okay. So when you went into organization mode, what did you do after? Like when you figured out where you were like, like, I'm very curious on this. So like what 
you you were confused on what like your brain was focused on right earlier today so you did the brain map yeah so i i lately have been feeling like this this sense of like i'm not doing enough and and then i was like well why am i feeling that way and it's because i've had a, a lot of different thoughts pinging around but when I come to settle down to like focus on, I don't know what to focus on because I'm, there's just no priority. They're just ping, 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 ping. And so that was my like, well, I need to acknowledge what all those are before I can establish a priority. And then, so like, yeah, I did the brain map and then I picked one. So like, <laughs> this is silly, but um, like one of my goals was to stay at my current job for five years. And like, for me, that's like, that's a while. Um, and, uh, and, and I really like it, but I've also really liked other jobs that I have left. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I picked that one and then I flipped to another page and then I could do a bullet point from there. Like, okay, what do I need for this one to, you know, what do I need at this job to stay for five years? And then I like wrote some ideas, but yeah, I had to get it all down and categorize it so like this this thing was pinging oh well it's something i want to learn about so i made like a little section for like the things that i want to learn um because i'm i'm learning we um if i'm giving myself new projects new things to learn it helps my any not get bored and feel stuck um so i'm i have to make sure that that's one of my self-care thing is, is that I'm having a new thing that I'm learning currently. Um, so I put that in my new learning category and then I have a goals and did I answer your question? I don't even know. Yeah, no, it's very cool how you rationalize how like the steps and it's NETI. It's so funny. Like I love hearing it. Like that's right. Sorry. I wanted you to explain it because I wanted to see if you would explain it in ETI and you did perfectly. So yes. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so glad I passed your test. <laughs> no, it wasn't a test. It was just, I was curious because like literally you're the first female, like I've, I've talked to other ENTPs like on discord and like, but it's all through text. Right. So it's never oh, yeah. like face to face. And I've talked to other male ENTPs like through zoom. So I don't know. It's just more of like, I'm just curious. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I do that. It's, I wish that I had a, a more I feel like it's gotten more fluid over the years, but like a lot of times that and to activate the TI, I have to make, I have to put it on paper somehow. Like sometimes I'll start off with a diagram or a VIN, or sometimes I'll go straight to bullet points, but then um, getting it down will help me then like get into that TI space. Cause it, it's, it requires you to slow down when you write things on paper or even draw them. Um, and then that helps me kind of go into that TI space. I, I use it a lot when I'm overwhelmed or, or just have to organize things. Yeah. No, yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, and, and so I'm wondering about some topics that came up, you know, overwhelm, feeling stuck or bored. And I'm wondering when you feel those emotions, do you ever have any NEs that kind of, help you get out of that stuckness or out of that boredom? Like, do you ever think of possibilities like, oh, I could move here or here to solve the problem of boredom through generating ideas? I do that all the time. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> same. Same. I move like every two to three years. It's like almost like a clockwork. Yeah. No, it's so true. I've started. Yeah. That's why, I, like, I learned. I picked up a pattern. I'm like, okay, it's about two years that I start like getting um, super restless. So then, okay, what can I do to pass that two year mark? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real. It's real. It really is because you just get this like buildup of, and it's not boredom. Like it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can, you could say our NE is bored. Like, I guess you could say that, but I don't think we would be like bored in the sense of like, we're not enjoying our life. It's just like, we right. need something like, drastically new drastically to like i don't know just shuffle up our life in a way and it's yeah, yeah to a new location it's there's a lot of newness so it, that satisfies yeah. our desire yeah i it's it's an easy quick solution now is it easy long term no um but it feels easy you're like i could just move it's easy. <laughs> so silly. It's but yeah, you know you're right. It's not like, oh, I'm bored, I don't have enough to do. Like there's always things to do. Um for me it I starts feeling like this inner suffocation, like this inner like squished, stuck feeling. Um and then I must be free. Uh Yes. Yes. I'm working on that. That's one of the things I'm actively working on. <laughs> yeah, the, the EP types seek that freedom <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's it's true. It's get it. I was gonna say it gets addicting, but it's not really that. It's that in order to function the way that we need that way that we need to function, there needs to be a a degree of freedom like nobody can have like absolute freedom right um because then you're a slave to freedom which is kind of you know you lose freedom in of itself right um but there there needs to be a degree because that that n-e-t-i it needs it needs freedom to to ping and to to come up with off the wall ideas um in order to to kind of um, to be fruitful and to to fulfill a purpose that it's it's there for it it needs a certain amount of freedom I think yeah no I agree I agree I've been actually trying to figure out like so I moved two years ago January of 2020 but it was right before the pandemic right so the new city that I'm in I technically haven't been able to like fully explore like if this happened four years if i moved to the city four years ago i would have fully explored the city by now meaning i would probably be moving in the next six to 12 months but i haven't explored the current city that i'm in because of the pandemic right so, but just some extra time yeah and i'm in this way of like oh this is actually like i i I created like a hack, but like the world kind of hacked the system for me because it's forcing me now to stay in the city longer because <laughs> I haven't got to fully explore said city and like all the surrounding areas. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I was like, well, that's going to be interesting. This is going to be the first city I've stayed 
more than two or three years in and I'm like do I set down roots? Like, do I actually consider like future in this city? It's like, but then I'm like, no, I feel like as soon as I do venture out, I'm going to be like, and check mark next one, please. (laughs) (laughs) So planning wise, it's difficult because it's like, can we really plan that far in the future? Like you have two kids and I feel like that, like if I start a family, I think that will like hold me down for like, for they're all like, I'll like have their relationships to consider and like their desire to make create roots, I guess. Like, I just don't have that desire to create roots. Like it's just not ingrained into my system. So the only time I think I will ever lay down set, whatever that phrase is with the roots. Um, I think I would do it for my FE, like my family or yeah. the family I create and like, I would let them decide, but like, it makes me think of like, okay, so when I create a family and I'm like bored in two or three years and I don't have that option just to be like, and I'm out of here, I'm going to go like three States over. See you guys later. I can't do that. So I'm curious, like, how do you actually, when any builds up, do you go on like a short little mini trip? Or I know you say you start, like you have one thing that you're learning, like you kind of have one thing you're constantly absorbing to kind of placate the NE, but is there anything else? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you don't move every two or three years with like a family. Uh, well, um, you would assume that, right? Um, I have not moved in the last four going on five years, four years. Yeah. Oh no, going on five years. Look at me. Um, uh, and, and my oldest is 12. So, um, it took us a little bit. Um, but my, so my oldest is an ESTJ and he does need his roots. That SI was needing some stability and, um, we hadn't, well, I gotten really sick and just, um, in another state where we didn't, you know, had no family. And so once everything kind of settled, we moved back where family was around so they could have for my kids essentially to have that stability. But, um, we, we moved, let's see, I, he was four and my daughter was one and I did an online interview. And then five weeks later, we were on the plane for Hawaii. Was the Hawaii your suggestion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, because I mean, the uh, it's not hard to get a job as a speech pathologist. Um, and uh, I was like, hey, well, and I'm married to an ISFP. So he's got that like, you know, he's an IP, so he, he, he can, he can go. Um, so I'm like, Hey, I have this, I have this position. He's like, let's do it. <laughs> okay, cool. That's amazing. When you have someone who will entertain your NE, that's wonderful. Yes. And we've thought about like, um, so he, he's got this big van that we convert are in the process of converting into a travel van. Um, and we'll go camping in it. And we've, we've toyed with the idea of um, doing like uh, nine weeks. There's these travel options where you can live in a place for nine weeks and then um, 
the job. They'll put you in a place for nine weeks and then they'll go to another one, put you in another place for nine weeks. So you can travel that way. Um, we consider that when the kids were younger. Um, so to what, to what you were saying, Melissa, you actually have some freedom when they're younger um, to keep traveling. <laughs> it's now he's in middle school and we could homeschool, but um, at the point where I, I like to parent to their personality type. And I see that he has got that SI and he like really at that, at this point needs that stability. And so that's why we've stayed and it's been easier to stay knowing that he needs it, that, you know, that FE was like, he needs this, he has this need, let's meet it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, we tried the mini trips. We try, we try to do those. Um, I do like, I don't just have one. I do like CEUs and then I, I do a lot of learning things and the more bizarre thing that I'm learning about, the better. Um, because that, that helps. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. By bizarre, could you illustrate that for us? <laughs> oh dear. I'd have to tell on myself. Um, so yeah, like the more like out there idea that I can really like die, like dive into the, the better for me. Like it's just a lot more satisfying. So I found this old, um, yes, is, is in the, it's in the seventies. It's quite fascinating, like about intuition and like controlling your own mind and using like these like energies and um uh uh different alpha waves and all this stuff and it's like it's pretty out there but it i love it it's pretty fascinating actually <laughs> so that's what i mean <laughs> <laughs> that's magnificent glorious how about you, Melissa? Do you have your bizarre ideas that you're going down? <laughs> um, so bizarre, yes, but I love the controversial ones. So I like, I like, because I love the commentary, right? So, because I'm all about perspective, I need to understand why people are the way they are, right? That's what I'm seeking. And I just love to understand and comments and stuff get me. So because it's so personalized, it's a comment. So I will go and seek out those YouTube videos talking about a lot of conspiracy theories and just, just, just like the random Reddit threads you would randomly see. Like, I can't think of just one thing because I feel like there's so many and that's overwhelming my brain to narrow down just to tell you one. But yeah, I like uh, basically, yeah, because like, we can always learn something scientific and tried and true where there's like novels, books, TED talks, all of that. That's cool and great. But like the, the supernatural, the like the controversial, like conspiracies, the ones that aren't, there's no actual science backing, meaning it's just a personal like people debate. Those are the kind of topics I like because there's no right or wrong like there, there's just no right or wrong so it's just all it's just a chatterbox and I love it I get addicted to it because yep that's yep did I answer that sorry <laughs> absolutely 
So with the chatter, but like the the comments, like I like doing that, but then at a certain point, I'm like, that's stupid. That's a dumb comment. That what what are they? They're not thinking. They're just writing stuff. Like what what's going on here? Oh, I do a whole commentary, like on every comment, like I, especially like the really angry ones, the one, especially the novel ones, the ones that people like write really long, like they, they took 15 minutes and sat there and wrote their life story in a com in a comment, like they, they contributed that much of their life to a comment, I will read that. And then in my head, I will create an, like an idea of who you are. <laughs> and what triggered you to make that comment? And that is my entertainment. Like, I will literally create this whole idea based around a comment. And that is so satisfying to me. I don't know. I don't know what it pleases inside me, but it satisfies my desire to understand. <laughs> okay, so this leads me to a question. Um, Ian, and I, I feel like male ENTP would get away more than a female. So I'm interested in your perspective. Um, when you, how often do you accidentally offend somebody or like hurt their feelings? If you're, if you slip into the devil's advocate, like all the time. <laughs> and do you have any, like, what do you do about that? Overly smile. And then I'm just like, hey, I'm just perspective here. Like, I'll just, I'm just, I'm just seeking perspective. Like, let's just discuss this out. Let's have a conversation. I'll, I will overly FE it if I can see that I've automatically triggered you just by taking a stance. Like, just by having an opinion on the topic, I can tell that triggers a lot of people. And I think also, because like, as female ENTPs, like, we're feisty and I don't think a lot of people expect like our responses to things and we're very in like I'm an Enneagram 8 so I'm a little bit more bold blunt a little arrogant when I speak sometimes so when I do you know we're having conversations and someone says one point of view and I pick the other point of view and I say with confidence and I spit all the facts I have on the topic sometimes they just stare at me and is like are you serious so then I'll be like yeah, we're about to have this conversation. Like, I will overly smile and be like, I am ready. Are you? Like, we're doing this. So that's that's how I go about it. A lot of ENTPs, they find amusement or entertainment from sometimes when something is a, like stupid, it can be actually funny to poke at it. It's like, that is really stupid. That is actually hilariously stupid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's vocalizing ideas that haven't been thought through, and then we have thought them through. So we will challenge your not so thought through idea. Yeah. Yeah. The overly stupid or like the like bizarre or just like, yeah, no, that's all entertaining. Absolutely. I'll say things like, I won't even have an opinion. And I get into the, I get into a trouble a lot of times because if I don't have an opinion, then it's it's more fun and I'm more likely to start like, well, what about this side? What about this side? What about this side? And like, so I'm I'm married to an ISFP, so he has lots of deep seated feeling like opinions, but the, they're ruminated and now they're like 
deep morals. And I'm like, well, what about this side? What about that? He's like, do you believe that? I'm like, well, no, I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just like, look at this angle. Like, well, what if this person believes that? Well, do you, I'm not saying I believe it, but I'm like, let's think about it. He's like, no. <laughs> so now I've, I've had to like, Hey, I'm just being devil's advocate here. I just like to look at this. And he's like, okay, okay. Like we, we create language around it. But yeah, I feel like I most often will do it if I don't have a strong opinion because then I want to look at all the opinions. Like, what would it be like to have, you know, to look at this from this angle? What about this angle? What about this angle? And yeah, I'm more likely, I think, to to do that when I don't have a real strong opinion. Yeah. I mean, we don't even have to, just like you said, we don't even have to agree with the opposing side. We're just, we're just say it just for funsies sake. Like, yeah. like it's yeah. all about the challenge and like yeah. we see conversations. So when we have people in conversations that will stand their ground, we will challenge you. Like, because that's, that's exciting to us because if you have an opinion, you will stand by your opinion. I mean, that's a great opportunity for an ENTP. So yeah. the ones yeah. that are very wishy-washy that will just be like, oh, fine, you're right. Or, oh, I just didn't think about it. It's like, you, this is such a short-lived conversation. There was so much opportunity. Like, fight me back. Like, like come on now. My, uh, my sister-in-law, um, she's, she's an ESFJ, and we used to have these conversations. And I would just, like, say things like, Oh, well, I think blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, it's just fun to like splurt out your ideas. And she'd be like, oh yeah, you're right. And I'm like, what? No, I don't know if I'm right. Please don't say that. Like it would like make me nervous. Like, no, tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we like, that's the thing. Like ENTPs, we don't want just to like say whatever we want to say and just like have the conversation end. ENTPs are seeking continued conversation. So that's like my biggest suggestion. Like when people say like, you know, how do I, you know, if I like an ENTP, how do I get along with them? I'm like, don't be short with your responses. If you don't agree with something, explain why you don't agree. If you do agree, add on to it, bring in more ideas. Like, like all the time. Yeah. I was like, I was like, please just never respond with like, that was a cool insight. Thanks for sharing. Like, no, 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 no. Like you have to give us something to work with because we're, we're, I say we're pretty much reaction based individuals. Like we create a lot of, I don't know, like in conversations, like we will be proactive to start a conversation, but once the conversation started, at least for me, I think I've noticed, like I'll, I'll start the conversation and then I'll throw the ball to the other person and kind of like let them go with it and then i will just maintain and continue the conversation at least that's how i've noticed like i typically behave in conversations where i won't like i normally am the one that instigates conversations and then i kind of just keep maintaining them but i don't overpower the conversation where certain individuals like i don't know like when we're conversing because i guess we're very open-minded we don't I don't know when you think of like debates and stuff and people are going head to head and like there's always one domineering i just don't think entps take the domineering role when we are 
debating. Like we we let the other person have equal mic time and equal, I don't know, response time. I don't, I feel like we're very fair within conversations. Maybe that's where I was trying to go with that okay. tangent. Where yeah. I think we're very fair, where I don't know, we're just we we want that response. We want to see where you will go with the conversation. So we don't control I don't know I don't know where I'm trying to go with my thought process on this but I just feel like I just feel like ENTPs are very fair and open within conversations meaning yeah. we won't like, I feel like the, the open-minded like I'm willing to discuss almost everything now if you bring a whole lot of feeling into it it makes me a little nervous um just because that's a lot of feeling um but uh most anything I'm willing, I'm willing to discuss it. Now I do think like talking to other ENTPs and even just listening to myself sometimes, like it depends on how much buy-in we have in our own idea. If there's like a hot topic idea and we have a lot of buy-in and I think it's a little harder to share the mic time because we're like, yeah, but what about this side and this side and this side and this side and this side? And like, this is how deep I've dug in this, you know, like there's just so much, but mm -hmm. it's not like an idea that we have a whole lot of buy-in, then it's, I feel like it's a lot easier. And because then it's like, it's not the, for me, I, I'd love to see, if, you know, what you think, but like, for me, it's not the end product. It's, it's the journey. It's like, where is this conversation going to go? Like, it doesn't have to stay on topic. We can, you know, it can spur on it here. And as long as it's fun, as long as it's back and forth, like I'm in, um, what would you, is that kind of what you're saying? Like with the mic? Oh, you know? Yeah. We want the experience. Like we want the whole thing. Like we don't need to be a winner or a loser, like in the debate, conversation, discussion, like that's not, we're not trying to like, Oh, your point was right. Mine was wrong. Like, it's the whole conversation is what we're seeking. Like the whole dynamic. Yeah, exactly what you said. Like we, we just like all of those opportunities and that's what's exciting of we could just bring the conversation this way or take it this way. And that's the fun part. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that for sure. I used to like, I like for the stereotypes of the ENTP, the debater, and I'm I just had the hardest time um, relating to that. Cause I don't like debates. Um, I like conversations and, but I, then I started realizing what I thought was a conversation might feel a little intimidating to somebody like, um, the other day. So I'm, I'm a clinical lead at this clinic that I work at. And one of the other therapists came in and she's like, Oh, well, I'm gonna, you know, treat, this kid in, in this certain way. And I'm like, oh, okay. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And I wasn't arguing with her. I thought she had a great idea. If she didn't, I wouldn't have had so many questions. I would have said that's a bad idea. Um, but I thought it was a good idea. So let's ask questions. Um, and it took her a minute because she thought I was um, arguing with her like it was a bad idea. I'm like, no, I thought it was a great idea. Why would I poke holes in a bad idea? It's already hold. Like it already has, it already can't float. Let's, let's see if this good idea can float. Like let's poke holes. Um, but, uh, but then, so that kind of thing, I'm like, Oh, people think that that's debating maybe. 
Um, but like a full on debate, like, I don't like it. It makes me very uncomfortable. I agree because of rules. Like in actual debates, there's rules. I don't like rules. I don't really follow them. So when people want to like have like proper debates, like back in school, like we would do like debates in school. Yeah, I cut a lot of corners and I got scolded a lot. And, you know, I'm really good at my arguments, but they're not accordance to proper debates. So, yeah, I agree that like EFTP is like, yeah, that's our stereotype. I think I think 16 personalities that gives us that name as well or something like that. One of the big personality ones. But yeah, like, I don't know, like we're not trying to like debate debate it's just like we have the debater skill set like we have the skill set to be a really good debater but we don't seek debating as in i'm trying to think of like what are the other types that really just enjoy debate like actual debates and i'm thinking like intjs even entjs i think an entj but they also have less like because that fi is out at the the uh inferior position like they don't have as much at stake in connection you know i feel like with with our our extroverted feeling being a little bit higher in the stack i have more at stake and it's it's more in a vulnerable position right that 10 that uh i'm using different lingo for it um but uh that tertiary position is is a little bit can feel a little vulnerable sometimes like, Oh, I don't want them to be mad, you know, and that Andy dates, they don't care. Yeah. Fine. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned a really important point, Amanda too, about how what can seem like a conversation to you to the other person might seem like a debate because they're not used to going back and forth with an idea. And so for instance, it's like parents almost like when you try to have conversation with a parent who's like, are you challenging my authority? And then the child's like, no, I'm just asking a question. I'm just curious. So curiosity can be taken as challenging someone's authority. But the thing is, the any dom the entp isn't looking necessarily maybe at authority as a way to like talk to people so maybe it's like well maybe we can exchange ideas and so why why is this a thing about authority now i don't understand (laughs) i think our relationship with authority is really interesting um because like i respect authority but i also don't feel like just because you're in a position of authority that we can't talk like equals and um which has occasionally got me in trouble but more often than not i totally get away with it um and it is some people think it's a good you know some people i've worked with think it's a good thing some people just be like well that's amanda um but yeah like it's it's interesting because like i respect the position of authority but that doesn't mean that i'm not going to tell you you're wrong um so yeah oh man as a kid so my my mom's like pretty she's pretty authoritarian and and at ESTJ um and so well why why because I said so because I said so and I was like stop finally finally had the words to say I think I was like nine or ten and I said mom 
if you don't tell me why, how am I going to make decisions without you when I'm older? And that stopped. And she's like, oh, is that why you want to know? I'm like, yes. Oh, okay. So I'm interested, Melissa, in, in your relationship with authority. Yes. So mm, I, so I agree with you completely. Like, so, you know, like they always say ENTPs were very non-traditional. We don't understand why things run the same way over and over again for centuries. You know, that's just our, any, we're thinking outside the box kind of thing. So just like you said, like in companies I've worked for and just growing up, like having jobs, I respect authority, authority. Like I understand within companies, there's hierarchies or there's certain dynamics just out of convenience to rule. I mean, not rule to run the company. Like I understand there needs to be like a leader, right? Like I understand there can't be, I just understand the concept of authority, but just because you have that, just because you, a certain human is in that position of authority, that does not mean I will respect you. I understand why you're there for whatever reason that job was created. I understand that. But if I perceive the authoritarian, authoritative, whatever person in that position taking advantage, like I will challenge it. I will provoke it. I will probably just like you said, like I talk to people like without, I, I, I talk to people like my boss, my coworker, my best friend, I'm going to talk to you very like the same. I don't do, I've never been good at like doing certain things to show different levels of respect. I respect everyone. So I treat everyone similarly. So yes, I've always had issues where people are like, why do you speak in that regard to this person? They're your boss. Or why do you do this? You should not, you know, refer to them as that. And I'm just like, but it's just a title. That's a label. That's a label that society created that I never gave my okay on. So why am I like forced to abide by these society, like societal norms? Like, yeah, like I will respect you. Like, it's not like I will challenge every person of authority. Like I'm not trying to create problems, but yeah, I mean, I've never behaved. I think how I was supposed to behave within when I was working in corporate America. Yeah. I never did a lot of the expected protocols. Yeah. But I did, I don't consider us like disrespectful to authority. I just think authority should be very aware that we will challenge authority. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing though. <laughs> I'm going to go with good. Yeah. It is great. <laughs> I would agree. So I'm wondering, you talked a little bit about not following protocol all the time. So I'm wondering in what situations do you kind of finesse the rules or like, I guess, massage the rules? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's like, okay. So, I mean, for company policies, right? Like these individuals created these policies for legal for legal reasons to like keep you know the company safe and like all of these things i don't know i i don't i'm now so many ideas literally just flooded my brain when you asked that question so now i'm a little trying to narrow it down but um what was the question again i have 
<laughs> yeah, your relationship with protocols and potentially breaking them sometimes. Uh, yes. So we can see, okay, so like when protocols are set, right, they're for safety protocols or for efficiency, whatever reason the protocols were put in place, there was a reason, someone made a reason or someone thought of a reason to have said protocols. As an ENTP, we're thinking of, right, like all of the possibilities. So let's say I find a way to do something faster, but I've skipped steps three through five, and now I'm on step six, but according to the protocols, I needed to go through and verify and do all of these like silly steps. I don't know for the individuals in this world that need step-by-step -step instructions. I skip a lot of steps. I cut corners and so I'm not all, for instance, I've never been good at showing my work um, like in school because I'll come to conclusions on my own. How did I come to said conclusion? I have no idea. But my professors and everyone always was frustrated because they're like, how did you come to a conclusion? Show your work, show how you did this. And I'm like, that's a difficult thing to ask. I have no idea how I came to this conclusion. I can kind of give you an overview of how I thought about this. Detailed report, I'm not really sure if that's going to be a possibility. So I guess the same thing like happened in the real world when I started like working at companies. I would see how things could be more efficient or how things could just, in my personal opinion, get done faster, better. I don't know, just improved. And so, yeah, I would never really follow policies, protocols, any of that stuff. And so I would always get in trouble. I would always get scolded. I would basically always be this the same speech of why don't you follow the rules? We give you set instructions on what to follow. And I'm always just like, that's, I, I just feel like you're going to keep scolding me because I don't see myself ever just following these rules. So where should we go from here kind of thing. But I don't know. My company's always liked my ideas. They just scolded me for how I came about them. So who knows? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you don't always have to follow the rules. You can come up with a creative third solution. Have you ever created your own method to your madness? Like for instance, maybe in school when you were learning subtraction and addition, did you ever modify the equation and then like create a new equation or stuff like that in school? In geometry, we were doing this and I don't even remember what we were doing, but it took forever. It was like some sort of thing that had to do with finding the area of a shape, but it was just a really slow process. So I was like, this is really slow. And then I realized that there was pattern. And so I created my own like way of doing it, my own quick equation to find the same answer. And um, <laughs> I was like, this is what I found out. And I told my geometry teacher and he's like, well, that only works with certain shapes. I was like, nope, you just add this number modifier and then it's fine. And he's like, oh. Okay. I don't remember what it was called, but I remember like, this is too long. And then, oh, I can just do it this way. Yeah. I don't have any cool stories like that, but <laughs> within jobs, I've made things more efficient for like, 
I, I could streamline certain processes for companies where I could figure out where they were spending too much time on certain steps. And then I would basically reformat how to do something. And then I would give them the instructions on how I did it. And then they could just like replicate it. So I don't have like an exact example. I know that's kind of vague, but I don't have an exact example. But I mean, it's a typical stereotype of ENTPs can just do things. We cut, like, I don't know. I feel like I've said we've cut corners so many times, but like we can see how to get things done faster. Like we just see all of the unnecessary steps within things to, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're doing these like, do, 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 do. And we're like, but if you go to a diagonal, it's going to get you the same place quicker. And, and not necessarily, not like a, like, like ENTJ kind of quicker, but just like streamlining the process for me anyways, it's, it's not necessarily like do it quick at the expense of accuracy. It's just, it's, it's more streamlining the system, um, or the process, um, Except I will totally break rules if I think they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Cut corners. Like we totally will. Yeah. If we if we see a way to do it faster, like all these rules that you've already set, like we will break them to do yeah. it faster. I don't, like I don't consider myself a rule a rule breaker. Like I see a rule, I have to break it. I don't. I don't consider myself that, but I do look at the rule. I'm like, okay, is that a good role or is it a stupid role? And if it's a stupid role, I don't have to follow it. <laughs> when I, was, I was little, like I was, I don't know, maybe four or five. And I asked my mom, like, why do we have roles? And um, my mom said, oh, well, roles keep you safe. So in my mind, that's cemented. Okay, the rule for roles are they keep you safe. So if that rule does not keep somebody safe at some capacity, it broke its own rule for being a rule and now it's void. Like, and I don't have to do it. Makes sense to me. Thank you. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. It is void. Yeah. That, but that's the thing. Like, I think that's how we see rules. Like, we don't necessarily understand them. We're, we're, we, you know, when you're little, you're asking your mom, like, but why do we have rules? Like, we don't understand what, okay who's the human that came before us that decided that this is the way things are done xyz etc and then i'm always thinking well who said that person was right like i like that's what i'm thinking i'm like well who gave them the go ahead to script this rule like who said that was allowed like i never just like i said earlier like i never got to give my okay on that so why do i now have to abide by said rule i wasn't asked for my input on this so i mean i think that's just like the ENTP mentality so when we go through life every time we reach something that just doesn't make sense to us we either break said rule or find a new way to accomplish to get whatever we need to do to get to the next thing kind of thing. Yeah. I used to work at this, like, um, this big hospital system and they had, um, for everything you sent home with a parent, like, like ideas to carry over and like home, home education stuff. 
they had to go through a committee. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, you don't, if I don't tell you, you don't know that I've sent this. So you're just not going to know because I'm not sending everything I have through a committee. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Some rules are very stupid indeed. And the TI is like, nope, it does not pass the TI test. <laughs> We're not going to do that. So it's interesting that Melissa brought up the word streamline. And I do think a lot of ETP types streamline. And it, it sounds like it's a TE world, right? But it's not actually. Because with ENTJs, for instance, the reason why they streamline things is they're focused on an end result oftentimes. So they don't like the journey. Like ENTJs do not specifically, like the journey is not the focus of the ENTJ. The no, ENTJ no. result, result, result. Whereas mm -hmm. the ENTP enjoys the journey. But of course, if they can streamline things along the way, they're going to do it because their TI is like, does this make sense? I'm going to make things make sense. And the, oh, the, the NE is like, I don't like slow. This, this is moving too slow. <laughs> and so the, it's going to look pseudo TE. When I feel like, like it, when I really like know a process. So when my, when my TI like knows the process thoroughly, cause I, I have to, I have to know the process thoroughly. Then like, it's almost gratifying to that TI part to like start making it better and like more streamlined. So it's, it's not just the any that wants it faster, but it's like that TI when it's getting like, oh, but if we tweaked it just a little bit and made it like smoother or we got this process and we we um, dialed it in and made it and, you know, turn it this way. And so then it's like even quicker um, or more efficient. Like it's it's not it's like you said, it's not about the project. It's about or the the um, the end product, the end result it's about the process, but when you can like fine tune the process to make it so fluid and smooth, it, it's very gratifying for my, for my TI to, it's a way of knowing and dialing in that process even more. Yeah. Cause one of the highest levels of understanding is like, you understand it so much that you can tweak it to even make it better. So it actually gratifies the, the TI. I understand this so much that I can make it make sense in a way where I can change it. Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things. I have a question because what you said, you were like, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but you were like, are you, when you start, when you first start something, you really want to fully understand it. You need to fully understand it. So I like, as soon as you said that, every job I've ever had within like the first week or two, like my, you know, when you start a job, you get like one, the, the person that's like right over you, they were always just like, this is the person. If you have questions within this company, ask this person for questions. This is your go-to kind of person, whether they're, you're like your first superior or just somewhere, you know what I'm talking about when you're yeah. training somewhere, every person, I just, as you said this, it made, it clicked for me. Every job I've started at within the first two weeks, the person that has to answer all my questions gets so annoyed with me because in the beginning, I ask so many questions because I'm trying to fully understand what I'm doing. And every job they've always like after like six months or something, they will be like, you were so annoying in the first like week or so. Like they're, they're always bringing it up and being like, you asked so many ridiculous questions, like questions that you didn't even need, like that 
had no relation to your actual job, but like they were within the company. So I don't know, but it's like, is that a, is that a common thing for you too? Cause like, yeah. I feel like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I've gotten to the point where, um, I, I will like front load it. Like I'll say, Hey, I ask a lot of questions right at first because I'm a process learner. Like I want to understand the more I understand the whole process, the better I feel about the individual decisions that I will make in the future, you know, within this job. And like the place that I'm at now, um, it's a, it's, it's a private company. It's relatively small. Um, so I told the owner like, Hey, I, I ask a lot of questions because I really want to know the process. And when I understand the process, I can make very good decisions and I can um, be more creative within that. But I, I really, my drive is to know the process first. And when I was able to explain that, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. And so he'd met like, I mean, he's amazing, but like we were able to meet like one-on-one -on -one and I was just asked some of them related to my job, some of them not, but more about the, the the structure of the company and like how they're how they're making decisions because how they make decisions kind of and their vision will filter down I like to consider in my decisions and so it's the whole it's the whole process it's the whole system and yeah like I, I when I when I first um like relatively new in my career I I did I I annoyed the crap out of people like and asked so many questions and so when I started explaining that from the beginning, like, look, this is what I do. And it's because I really want to understand the system. And like, when I understand the system, I understand it thoroughly, like, well, better than most people, because I care that much. Like, I want to know the deep, you know, but I think a lot of people aren't used to that. And so they're like, just freaking do your job. Like, I can't until I know everybody else's job. Yeah. No, I, yep, I get it. But the thing is, and that's the thing, they always are annoyed with me in the beginning, but then six months, eight months, a year, they're thanking me because that, because that's when I'm able to like really generate my really good golden ideas yeah. and I'm contributing to them because I care about the company. Like every company, like I get very, I don't, I don't think like every company I've ever worked for, like I get the family vibe, but like I, like my the people I work with like we would always like go out for dinners like afterwards like I enjoyed like when I like I don't know within my jobs like I enjoy creating a community within yeah. each little job like I I don't do the normal like just go to work leave and like just do small talk like I don't like some people just will not offer up any personal insights and that's fine you know for whatever reason if they don't want to you know, do that Everyone has as a personal challenge. I'm like, oh, you don't want to be known? Guess who I'm knowing? <laughs> you. Yeah, no, I, 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 I have been there for sure. But yeah, but like, yeah, so like we like creating our little, that's the thing. So like we like our, like when we're at companies, we don't want to just know our job. So like when other people ask questions in other departments or whatever, we can contribute or we can help out or we can give insight. Like we want to be helpful. Like ENTPs, we want to be helpful. So yeah. we don't want to just know 
what we are doing. We want to know what our whole community within our job is doing so we can actually contribute. So I'm nice satisfied with my job if I if I wasn't, you know, I don't have to do everybody else's job. Like I don't want to do everybody else's job, but I know I want to know what it is. Like I want to know the structure. I want to know. Um, yeah, I think that actually, I just, I don't think if it, if it was a do your job, plug in, put your blinders on, I would not be satisfied with that. I would feel very disconnected, very unsatisfied. Agreed. Agreed. We have to be able to contribute. Like our FE, you know, it's our, it's our third, but like, it's pretty like it, it it's, it's very better. motivating yeah so it's very it's very motivating yeah so let us use our n-e-t-i to contribute <laughs> so yeah it's quite great to get the questions as well from extroverted intuition users because that signals engagement because when they start bouncing ideas with you that's their sign of engagement and other people are like, huh, I'm not used to being asked so many questions. But typically, NE learns through conversation. So that's mm -hmm. one of the best ways for it to learn. Uh, <laughs> what other workplace-related quirks do you have, too? How much do you need to learn something? Oh, I, I'm, I'm just going to throw conversation starters if you want to take this route. If you don't want to take this route, you can take it another route if you want to. Um, but I know, as Melissa said, you're waiting for other people to throw the ball, too, because it's almost like you're working off of what other people are feeding you too, because it creates something new out of that. And if yeah. you were to control the conversation too much, you're not creating anything new. You're just taking it path. You're taking it down a known path if you're just controlling it. Whereas ENTPs like the exploration of it. So they're going to give you that chance to like throw that ball with them. <laughs> and yeah. And so I'm wondering any workplace related quirks you want to talk about. Um, one of the ones I could possibly start off with is, how long do you typically stay at jobs and like do you need to like learn 80 percent before you get like a little like wanting to switch or is there like do you stay for a long time what is the workplace habits um the longest i uh the longest i've stayed was four years and i loved it um and the, but the reason I stay, and that's long for me, which, but um, I loved my team. My team was amazing. And that's what kept me there as long as it did. Um, and then I moved to Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and that was more life, feeling stuck in life than my job. Um, but uh, the, the team, and I don't, I think... For me, I, I might be different um, than you, Melissa, because like I have a set like career, like I'm a speech pathologist. So like, you know, I, I, I've thought about starting all over various things, but it just doesn't make sense money wise um, to start all over when I have a fairly like developed career. Um, but the the area and um like I've, I've been in schools, I've been in home health, I've been an outpatient, I was at a university, like it, I've tried lots of different things. Um, but it's got where I was going with that. Um, if I don't, I need to have a challenge, I have to have a challenge, something that I'm um, learning. And I also have to have a good 
team to want to to want to stay. I think I'm. I think I twisted your question just a little bit, Joyce. No, it makes a lot of sense. You can take it whatever route you want. I'm just trying to simulate stimulate conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really cool. Speech pathologist. So I'm wondering what what careers do you think ENTPs gravitate towards, or do you think any career too? This is a really interesting topic to me because I've been thinking about this lately. Like, what do you think, Melissa? I want to I want to hear what you think before. Hmm. Should I? Should I? I'm gonna I'm gonna give my brief overview of my career and like what I've liked, and then I will go off of just all of the knowledge I have gathered with my ENTP deep dive. So then go on that. So for me, I like, I don't like desk jobs. I like actually working on my feet where I can interact with multiple people a day. Like I don't mind working at a desk for maybe a few hours of the day, but I want to be like interacting with the team, doing things with my hands, not just typing on a computer. Um, like I need to be using my body in some sense. So I, like when I, young, right? I worked at Chick-fil-A from 15 to 22. Like literally I needed a car. So who hires 15 year olds? Chick-fil-A does. So like, I literally like, that was the reason I got the job at Chick-fil-A. But I, I stayed there because I needed car money. And then I, you know, as I was getting older, I needed money for other things. But I liked it because the people, my, like all my friends, I started hiring all my friends and I started like, it was fun. Like working was not difficult because I was hanging out with my friends and like, yeah, you're working, but it's like, you're hanging out. So like, I always rationalized working. And then like afterwards, like I worked at a third party logistics company. I worked in the accounting department and that is when I realized I cannot do a desk job from nine to five. Like I literally, there was a running joke. I would get up and like just refill my water or just, just walk down the hall and back like almost clockwork, like every two to three hours, like people literally like it was, it was a running joke within my department. Cause they would be like, ah, it's Melissa's walk time. And like, because like after working on your feet for so long, like that was how I that was my youth, right? And then from working on my feet all day long to getting stuck in a seat for eight hours, I'm like, this is torture. I cannot do this. So that lasted only like two years. And then, yeah, I, I gravitated towards jobs where I could be networking, going out, meeting clients, um, interacting with clients, doing, I didn't really have a set schedule. Every week I had to, you know, meet people, make appointments. So there was all of the idea of, oh, am I, which clients am I going to meet now? Where am I going to take them for dinner? Like all of that created opportunities. So it kept my attention for a little bit. And then I got into e-commerce probably in the last three years. And that is actually when I realized working for yourself as an ENTP, it's a blessing and a curse because I like that freedom of, I can technically work anywhere within the country. Like all I need is internet access on my computer. I can log on at any hours of the day, like it's online store. So it's not like I need to be at my desk a certain amount of time. So that freedom was very attractive to me as an ENTP. But the fact that I'm my own boss, the fact that I have to actually wake up every day and do something like that I have 
technically forced myself to do because I made this company, like it's a blessing and a curse. So I don't know. It's like, so ENTPs, like I've actually, like, I've been thinking about this a lot too. Cause I'm, so I'm 29, right? So I'm thinking I'm going to turn 30 in just a couple months. And I'm like, okay, so what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Like, right. So I've worked on my feet. I've done a desk job. I've worked where I've, you know, been able to like hybrid a little bit of desk job, a little bit of on my feet kind of thing. Now I'm back to, you know, online stuff. I'm just kind of doing, I'm a YouTuber, right? So it's like, I'm, 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 I'm interacting with people like through like these panels and stuff and through online, but I'm realizing it's not fully satisfying my need for my extrovertedness of my personality. Like, I think I need more interaction, but the combination of a pandemic and the fact that you're not supposed to be interacting with people is creating a slight problem for me. Um, but I'm figuring it out. But like for overview for ENTPs, I mean, I think we can do anything. I don't suggest a job where you will be confined to a desk for eight or nine hours a day. Like if you have a job that's a desk job, find a company that's very interactive, find a company that might have like the working modules instead of a cubicle. Cause you need to have that, hey, what are you doing over there? Like, like a little short minute, like breaks for our mind to not just be staring at a screen, answering a phone or working on a report, like whatever your job description requires you to do. I found a lot of ENTPs hover around the law whether it's on the side of lawyers and prosecutors and detectives and investigators for law firms. Do you mind if I step off for like five minutes to tuck in my kids? Yeah. Go. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Are we producing a lot of content? Are we too rambly? Am I too? Oh, I think it's good. I think it's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like trying to stay on topic, but I'm like, ah, excited. It's like any. It, I mean, it's good for me to know that like ENTPs want to continue the conversation. That's what's most important. Cause like sometimes I don't add my thoughts because I'm just afraid of hurting people's feelings, which is absurd. If you're talking to an ENTP, it's like, you're not going to hurt an ENTP's feelings. Go, yeah. go ahead and say your true opinion. Yeah. <laughs> just keep yeah. going back and forth. Yeah. 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 Every time someone says, Oh, did I hurt your feeling? I'm like, you got to try a lot harder than like what you're doing. Cause like you, it was like a joke for like, it's going to be very difficult to hurt our feelings. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Cause there are times where um, I know some people who you can say something totally non-offensive and they'll get offended just because it, like, and there's absolutely nothing within it that you could have known that would offend them. It's just something from their past trauma way, way, way back that you could have never predicted triggered something. It just makes you a little hesitant to share anything. Cause it's like, Oh, you never know what someone's going to react to. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I meant to ask Amanda. So, so before you joined on the call, I was joking with Joyce. I was like, it is funny how when she asked me, like, uh, when we were scheduling the date for this panel, she said this date, I never once, I didn't know it was the Super Bowl until earlier today, right? So I, I, I was joking with Joyce. I was like, of course, like, ENTP is like, we could care less about sports. Like, we like, when she asked me to do this panel, I didn't once think about, oh, is there a sporting event like 
I had no I idea the Super Bowl. That, no. Right. Like I had no idea. And then I was like, oh, it's the Super Bowl. And then I was just like, oh, that's interesting how all the other ENTPs also did not even care that it's the Super Bowl. And we would rather talk about ENTP stuff than watch yeah. a game. Yeah. Yeah. No. The only time I was remotely in, no, I wasn't even interested, but I found out in college that if you acted clueless to football players about what football was, they just had it in their hearts and in their mission, they had to explain it to you. And then that was hilarious to me. And so I just kept doing it um, because it was funny to like watch their reaction and like, oh, let me tell you, honey, like, let me explain this to you. And I was like, yes, that's hilarious. And then I just kept doing it. That was like the only interest I had in it. Same. Do you do that in other areas of your life? Like even in your professional life? Like do you play dumb on purpose sometimes to see how the other person will explain something? Because yeah. I do that quite a bit. <laughs> yes, it's very funny. It's very funny. Until they think you are stupid and then you have to feel like, no, 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 I have to assert my uh, my intellectual dominance here. Sorry. Sorry to confuse you. <laughs> ENTPs are so playful. <laughs> I find that FE tertiaries are very addicted to see other people's reactions to things. So they're like, I'm going to do this and mix up things to see how you will react. Oh, social experimentation is my favorite it's my favorite. It's my favorite. Like when like, you know, we have, have like, uh, like going over to somebody's house for dinner and there's multiple people. I'm like, Ooh, put that person right there by that other person. Why? Because it will be funny. Just do it. Like <laughs> favorite thing ever. Yeah. Or like, I'm just going to like slightly slip in this topic that I think will be slightly controversial. I don't care about it, but it might be funny. Yeah. No. Yeah. We're totally guilty of that. We do it all the time and we have no shame. Like, I, and we're never going to stop. <laughs> like we're just going to keep it up. So you just got to play along, but yeah. we do it in all like for fun. Like we don't do it. Like, you know, like you're not putting someone that doesn't like someone next to each other. You're doing it because you're interested in the reaction. So yeah. like, yeah, like, so we're manipulating situations, but not for bad. It's just out of intrigue. So for good. <laughs> <laughs> it could be for good. Sometimes it's just for play. Uh, true. true, true. Which I feel like is like, you know, slightly neutral territory maybe it should be more for the good yeah i'm always doing things for the good it's never just to get a reaction <laughs> there's the good side of the entp and then there's the slightly naughty side of the entp like one of the ways i tell apart enfps from entps or broadly ti auxiliaries so estps and entps from esfps and enfps is how they play sims so I find with FI people, they get attached to the characters that they build in video games. So they're like, I, I name them, they're living a life, and then they don't want to do like nasty things to them, basically. Uh, where, okay, this is broad stroke, doesn't apply for everyone, you'll meet people who totally don't fall within this rule, but right. you can, there's a general principle to this. Whereas I'll have some ENTP friends or ESTP friends playing The Sims, and they'll be like, 
what would happen if I got everyone in this house and I just lighted this part of the house on fire? Like, what would happen to the other Sim characters in here and how would they squirm? Because <laughs> I just want to know how they'd react. And then the, the FI users abhorred. It's like, you're killing the, your, your Sims. What are you doing? <laughs> and that's like, but it's a game. It's a game. Like, why are you <laughs> reacting? It's a fake game. <laughs> yeah. Because TI has this contextuality to it, it's like, well, this is not immoral in this context because it's a fake game. So why is everyone taking this so seriously? Because sometimes people apply morality the same across all boards. Whereas yeah. if you're an ENTP, you, you know that certain rules apply in certain situations and other ones just don't apply in certain situations. So knowing the limits to, to understand, almost knowing the limits of something shows how much you understand it, right? And it goes back to Amanda talking earlier about how understanding something so well that you can almost manipulate it is extremely satisfying for TI. So when you can understand something and manipulate it and then cause a social reaction to see, oh, what would happen? There's a satisfaction from it. The TI FE interacting with each other almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that you said that the morality thing, like that's one of the, um, one of the, one of the big differences between so my husband's like FI drive, um, introverted feeling driver. So like just the morality and the principle of it. And like, it's just so deep and it's so strong. Um, and it's like, no, this is, this is immoral. Like, and, and it's great because it's a good balance for me because I see a lot of things in gray and um, it's good to have a tie to like a little bit of black and white, a little bit of like, nope, we have strong, we have strong morality, in, you know, in this area. Um, but <laughs> say like, nope, this is wrong. And my, like, I can't even help it. It's just like instinctual. Well, what about in this context? What about in this context? Like, what if you would, it's like, why are you saying this? I don't know. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, because they didn't verify with you first. Right. Like that, that's what I keep saying. Like, why do we have to do these things? Like, no one cleared it with us. Like, why? <laughs> like, that's how I see it all. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, because with extroverted intuition, it naturally sees the opposite. So whenever you present it something, the NE is already like, okay, I can already see the opposite point right now. So what about the opposite point? <laughs> and then other people are like, why are you doing this to me? Why do I have to consider the opposite point? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. that's that's mind bending a lot for a lot of people. And I used to like be offended by it or like think that there was something wrong with me. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's just breaking their brain. It's okay. Cool. Yeah. And so thank you both for coming on. <laughs> I really appreciated this ENTP chat on all of the novel ideas or the novel concepts that you guys gather and also the social experimentation that is fun <laughs> and provides amusement and entertainment. <laughs> it's, it's nice to know the great capacity for play you both have and the amount of ability to understand if things make sense or not. And then if they don't make sense, take it loosely. <laughs> so it's great that you guys have that. And so 
Thank you, Melissa, for coming on. And so she has a channel called Melissa Talks on YouTube. So feel free to check it out in the links below. Um, Melissa and I were writing a book. And so we will publish it one day and we will give you a link to that. And so in our book writing process, Melissa is a very good brainstormer. And so she's talking for probably two plus hours and I'm just like taking notes and it is a lot of ideas. <laughs> like when you have an any dom on a project, you are just like idea after idea after idea. <laughs> and then it's like, if we keep going, I can go all night, Joyce, I can go all night. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're never short of awesome, brilliant ideas. It's like a popcorn maker that it has unlimited popcorn, just endless, <laughs> endless popcorning. <laughs> And thank you, Amanda, for being in my personality hacker classes. And it's nice to have met you there. I like to have fellow FE users I can connect with and form bonds with. It's it's what makes life worth living. So in a way, you both make life worth living for me. <laughs> and so thank you everyone for watching. I'll see you all in the next episode. Take care. Thank mm -hmm. you.